DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Not much Pacers news direct to discuss this week, but uh, a bunch of content coming out there in the overall Pacers zeitgeist. We got a amazing Setting the Pace podcast with Jay Michael. We want to shout out those guys um, for a great interview. We've got that to talk about. Um, we've got the coaching, I guess, merry-go-round to talk about as well as a lot of NBA coaches that are in need of new jobs. Uh, and the Indiana Pacers just happen to have a job opening um but we got to acknowledge some more topical news uh and what an incredible series between the brooklyn nets and the milwaukee mm-hmm. bucks um justin we were talking about this earlier today that shot the kd hit at the end of regulation i i can't remember too many guys in nba history where i i watched them live take a shot like that and i just knew it was going in He's a, he's a freak, isn't he? he? He's not human. I still say he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, everyone knows he's good, but they don't kind of give him the kudos off the injury he's um, come back from as well. And, you know, most points anyone's ever scored in a game seven, um, nearly dropped 50. You know, he was, uh, I think Tim Legler on ESPN said it, He's a size 16 shoe. If he was size 15 and a half, that was a three-pointer and they win the win the series and they're in the next game. So, um, yeah, what a game. Like, we're all NBA fans and, wow, like, I was sweating. I tweeted, like, I was sweating and shaking and I actually thought if this was Pacers, I would have a heart attack right now. Like, I could not do it. So, um, yeah, terrific win. I'm happy for Giannis. Everything has gone through to re-sign with a small market team, you know, um, stick with him. He would have been able to go anywhere he wanted. Uh, and now he's just beat the best team in the league. So kudos to them and a little pat on my back because I did say when Milwaukee were down 0-2, they'll still come back and win the series. <laughs> love it. Love it. Alex, I, I must say, I, I thought of a Pacers slant when I was watching this game and I tweeted at you guys um, privately. And that is that Right now, can you name one player on the roster that could defend Giannis or KD in uh, in a series like that? 
to be fair, I, I don't know one person on this planet that can guard Kevin Durant. So, I mean, the answer is obviously no, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I feel bad for listeners a little bit because, you know, they're probably sick of us talking about those guys, but the those types of wings killed us all season. And it's not even just, we're not even talking about Giannis and Kevin Durant here, by the way, like Harrison Barnes torched us. Mikael Bridges torched us. Like that's how bad we were. So yeah, there's no yeah. chance that anyone was guarding Giannis or, uh, or KD. Yeah, it was a, a pretty crazy series and, um, you know, pretty jealous of the uh, the small market Milwaukee Bucks making it to the conference finals and uh, potentially playing another relatively small market team in, in Atlanta, even though they're not necessarily a small city. They're not a, a huge NBA market historically. Um, you know, on the other side, we obviously got a relatively small market in Phoenix uh, and then the one of the biggest markets in, uh, in the world, LA, uh, facing off in the West finals. Um, before we get to Pacers news, Justin, what's your NBA Finals matchup prediction right now? Um, I'd say probably Milwaukee Phoenix. It's so hard though without Kawhi. Like I think if Kawhi was healthy, I'd say Milwaukee, LA Clippers. Um, also, people forget Philadelphia are actually going to have home court against Milwaukee because they were the number one seed. 76 has played awful in the playoffs so far, but you know, that home court against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to be spent after that seven-game series versus yeah. Brooklyn. Um, totally understand Philly's got a seven-game series, but that's against Atlanta. It's a bit different. So, um, yeah, I'd say Milwaukee-Phoenix, but just want to mention as well, what, what a terrific year for the NBA. Like, people are like, oh, all these stars are out, but how good is it to see, you know, these different sort of teams? A team's going to win it all this year that hasn't probably won it in their lifetime. Um I think, you know, we've been so accustomed to LeBron and Curry every year. It's so good to now maybe see a Giannis versus Kawhi or a Giannis versus Chris Paul. Um, I couldn't be happier. I think it's great for the NBA. Yeah, the teams that are left, I mean, they either haven't won a title or in the case of uh, Philly and Milwaukee, they haven't won a title since the 70s or 80s. So I think it's, it's fantastic to see teams that haven't won a title in either ever or quite some time up there. I think it gives teams like uh, Indiana hope that it is possible if you build through the draft, if you make good trades, if you can get a couple of free agents in there, um, you know, that's, that's the, the common thread between all these teams they've had, they've hit on a lottery pick. They've hit the jackpot on a lottery pick. I mean, in Milwaukee's case, it was a late lottery pick in uh, Phoenix's case. Booker was a late lottery pick. So, you know, pace is picking around 13. You've got Giannis, you've got Booker. Those are guys that have been picked around that range. Alex, it's got to give us a little bit of hope that if you hit the jackpot on one of those late lottery picks, you could be a title contender within four or five seasons. 100%. 100%. Even a guy that just got knocked out, Mr. Donovan Mitchell was a was yeah. a number 13 pick. So, yep. you know, people talk about, oh, we need a top five pick. I, I really don't think you do. I mean, you go back to Kobe Bryant was was the 13th overall. So I'm not saying that the Pacers are guaranteed to get a, a star play like that, but uh, you look through the list of people uh, in the past, Zach Levine was a 13th pick as well with Minnesota. So there's some real good players you can draft in that late lottery area. Yeah, there really are. I think um, one thing that the Pacers have to do before they draft that player is get themselves a head coach. Uh, I must say I was kind of a little bit excited by the fact that Milwaukee won today. Personally, uh, and I share a lot of this sentiment, sentiment with Pacers Twitter, 
Mike Budenholzer wasn't my first choice as Pacers coach. And there was a lot of talk that the Pacers would be very, very interested in Mike Budenholzer. Um, should he become available uh, with Milwaukee winning today, potentially getting through to the NBA finals, the chance that Mike probably wouldn't become available. Um, I know that, you know, Caitlin Cooper, one of the smartest minds we have on Pacers Twitter, wasn't a big fan. Uh, Alex Golden of setting the pace, not a big fan either. I share their sentiment. I think his offense tends to be fairly unimaginative. Uh, there's a lot of threes, but not a lot of um, not a lot of imagination there. Um, and, and I think uh, his teams tend to do really, really well in the uh, regular season and flame out in the playoffs. And we've seen that uh, game played many, many, many times before in Indiana. That's been the history of the franchise. So it would be just an incredibly on brand for Indiana to uh, to assign Coach Bud to the head coaching ranks, win 55 games, and then uh, get swept in the second round. Yeah, yeah, definitely would. Uh, it's so tough, though. Like, I messaged you guys. I I don't know who I want. Like, I I literally don't. I've usually got someone I'm, I'm really keen for, but this I think I'm just burnt by what happened last year and how bad it's happened. I think it's just going to – I've got some, such a real negative mindset, whoever they hire. I'm just going to be like, oh, God, here we go again. So um, I've seen the U.S. bookies on, on in America. They've got uh, Terry Stott's um, clear favourite to be the next Pacers head coach. And then um, Rick Carlisle, obviously, we, we know he just got – fired or, or left Dallas and the previous uh, Pacers head coach of years ago. Um, he's heavily second favourite. So, yeah, the bookies think it's between um, Terry Stotts and Rick Carlisle. I, I want to talk about the the third uh, candidate on that bookies list who's not currently an NBA head coach. Brian Shaw was, mm. was the third candidate. He's currently the coach of the G League Ignite team, which is the development team in the G League designed for players that are not yet at NBA age. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts, Alex, on a, a guy like Brian Shaw that you know had a, uh, a history in Indiana. He was well-liked, well-respected in Indiana just before we we made that uh, conference finals in 14. He left in 2013 to, uh, to be the head coach of the Nuggets and was um, really poor in those two seasons, probably learned a lot of that st- that stop but you know similar to Bjorkren in the in the way that he was a, a highly regarded assistant coach that ascended to a head coach position obviously Brian Shaw is a former NBA player as well so carries a lot better relationships than Bjorkren ever did but what would your thoughts be on the paces going with a Brian Shaw who potentially flamed out in his first NBA coaching stop has you know had a bit more of an apprenticeship and now may be ready to have another opportunity um yeah i just i just can't see them hiring someone with with little experience this season i think that to me kp goes with a a much more experienced option you know you mentioned stots earlier uh and carlisle those types of names steve clifford like those are the names you'll see and it's worth noting as well that you know we talk about the uh the odds the betting odds nate bjorken wasn't even on that list 12 months ago so it might be a name that no one's talking about it's a great point. I mean, Carlisle's a name that has come up a lot in conversation. I think, Justin, you might be the same as me. I've got a real fondness for those mid, mid-2000s mid teams, brawl aside. Um, Rick Carlisle was obviously a big part of that. So him being now on the open market, there's a real nostalgia and a real sort of beloved tendency to go with guys that, that have previously been with the franchise. The difference is Rick Carlisle's now an NBA champion. So you're talking about a guy that 10 years ago has now won a championship. He's familiar with the franchise. 
Um, funnily enough, from what I've been reading this week, when he left the franchise, he uh, was um, not in the good graces, I guess, of anyone involved and, and hadn't made the best relationships. Do you think it's worth going back to the well on Rick Carlisle or do we need to turn over a new page? Jeez, that's a really good question, Adam. Um, I liked him as a coach. I, I remember him coaching the Pacers through, like you said, one of our probably favourite uh, teams or eras of Pacers basketball. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, he I know he left on bad terms. Fans wanted him out. Um, you know, they, it didn't end well for me. I think the timeline matches up too much where, you know, Rick Carlisle is a very smart man. I read an article. I forgot who wrote it. But um, I think he's lining all his ducks for that Boston job. Um, yeah. Used to be a player there. He's got great relations with uh, within pe- within the Celtics organization. Uh, they want an established coach, being Boston. So I, I think he's, he'll be the Boston's coach. I don't know if he wants kind of a reunion with Indiana. Frankly, we haven't heard anything apart from you know these sources, which were just put two and two together, saying, "Oh, Carlisle's out. He used to coach the Pacers. Maybe a reunion's going to happen." So until there's a proper rumor, not really going to believe it. But um, Unfortunately, if, uh, I don't know who's going to be the coach, but if I had to put my oh, $100 on it, I'd, I'd, I'd say Terry Stotts is kind of ticking all boxes from the Pacers organization point of view, not my point of view, but I, I think he'll be the next head coach. Yeah, I'm going to stick with last week's uh, prediction in Terry Stotts. I think it makes too much sense. He's from Indiana. Uh, I think he's got the right personality. I think he's got the right experience level that KP's looking for. I think. Can he? Um, can he bring Lillard with him? <laughs> can, it, can it be a two-for-one? Uh, trade anyone on the roster for the both of them. That is absolutely fine. No, I think um, the key for me, though, as I said last week, and, and Justin, I, I want to circle back on this because you weren't on the last episode. You, you had far better things to do. Um, but uh, I, I was talking about KP's insistence that we need a strong assistant coach bench uh, beside this head coach. And I think even if we hire Stotts or Clifford or, or an established head coach that's been in the league a while, well-respected, good relationships, the emphasis for me will be that we need three extremely strong assistant coaches. We need to almost overpay the bench um, of assistant coaches. Do you agree? hundred percent. And I listened to you guys' podcast. It was great. I, I agreed with everything both of you said and um, yeah, like I, I don't know who we can bring in though. Like who's, you know, an assistant coach who's, you know, maybe there's a lot of names we don't know of on other teams you could bring in. But, yeah, it's we can't just bring in a head coach like we did last year with no support. Um, and, you know, Dan Burke leaving, Bill Baino leaving. I think he got another job elsewhere recently. Detroit. So, Detroit. So, you know, there was a lot of issues there unspoken. I think if he's already wanting to get back into the NBA um, after leaving Nate Bjorkren's guidance, um, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I think we can look back on this year and we'll probably look back at in three and four years and just probably go, that was a disaster of a season. Like you probably don't, don't even know how bad it is until a few years, I think. Yeah, you say I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to leave it at that. Bill Baino was well-liked and well-respected by the players and he left the team citing mental health concerns and the bravery to be able to do that publicly with with Woj involved in in that sort of announcement. Um, the rehabilitation he's had to undergo. I've followed Bill Baino on Instagram. I've seen him, you know, spend a lot of time with his family, a lot of time with his sons. He was recently holidaying on a boat with Miles Turner. 
like he's clearly well liked and well respected by Indiana Pacers players. The fact that he's coming back one year after and was able to rehabilitate himself is firstly a credit to him. So congratulations to him. But secondly, a real, uh, it's a, it's a black mark on the franchise over the last year to lose a guy like that, uh, to allow him to go to have made that coaching hire. That's resulted in a guy that's well-respected, well-liked in the team to leave. And I think, Lessons have to be learned here. This is, this was a disaster. It is a disaster for the Pacers in terms of the the senior voices on that bench all leaving, well liked, well respected people um, that have now seen great success. Like three out of the four coaches on our bench are currently in a Eastern Conference Game Seven tomorrow. Um, the other one just got a new job. So uh, I think it's um, yeah, it, it's sad to see the. Uh, the coaches from last year's team have great success and the Pacers not be able to replicate anywhere close to that success. Um, well, I mean, quickly, I'll, I'll throw maybe to you, Alex. I don't know if you heard it with Jay Markle and setting a pace. He said, you know, he got text messages from other people in the league saying he cannot believe how Nate Bjorkman treated his staff. Like they saw it eye to eye. Did you hear that? What were your thoughts? Well, I, the story that stood out to me was the, the story about the Durag. I think he he wasn't allowing Aaron Holiday to wear one on the plane. When I read that, I was like, "What the f- like? What the hell is going on here? This is ridiculous." Yeah. I mean, this is stuff that I would never expect to come out of the Pacers organization. Just stupid little things that, uh, you know, treating your players with a lack of respect. Obviously, we all saw it ball over in that in that Sacramento game, which we've talked about. But yeah, it's crazy because we obviously don't know how bad it was behind the scenes, do we? Like, it, it was terrible. And to be to be honest, I think, you know, the reports probably come close to it. But however bad we think it was, it sounds like it was probably worse than that. Uh, it sounds like we, we don't actually know the extent to which this, this locker room became toxic. And, and it manifested itself in some really poor behaviors from players. And, you know, one of the things I want to congratulate those setting the pace guys on was the interview with Jay Michael really brought to light a lot of... Um, suspicions that I guess we've been talking about with Demarcus Sabonis over the course of the season. A lot of the, you know, complaining to referees, a lot of the not getting back on defense, a lot of the post-up plays that just went nowhere, just repeatedly posting up guys and, and kind of being a bit of a black hole at different times. I mean, J. Michael was scathing with what he reported, Justin, uh, with respect to Sabonis. He, he, you, you know, said that players effectively checked out because Sabonis was tra- chasing his own stats, was trying to get his own scores, was, you know, posting up Rudy Gobert in the first game of the year. And, uh, you know, that stuck out to me because I, I remember it vividly thinking, what are you doing? Like, what what is the point of this offense? And the fact is that Bjorkren did not have the guts to call out Doma Sabonis, didn't have you know, the experience didn't have the trust, didn't have the rapport and the relationship and the respect with Sabonis to be able to call him out on that behavior. You need a coach that's going to come in and really call him out on that and challenge him to get better, be a better teammate, be a better, you know, a smarter basketball player. But not only that, if he's going to continue that sort of behavior, he can't be a franchise player. Well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. He's not though, and he, he won't be a franchise player if that makes sense. He might be our best player, but he's not going to be a franchise player. I hope people understand the difference there. And um, yeah, it, it's really strange, isn't it? Because you think Nate Bjorkman, you know, everyone said he's such a micromanager and it's his way or the highway. But then 
why wouldn't he pull Brogdon and Sabonis into line? Why, why did they get a free pass? Which obviously was the main cause of a lot of issues in the locker room where certain players would, you know, how, how do they get away with that while I'm getting drilled? Um, but yeah, we saw it from Sabonis all year. I'm, I don't, I don't actually know how I feel about Sabonis. Um, obviously I like him as a person. Um, I don't know. Ideally, I want him as a pacer, but there was a lot of things that we all saw throughout the year which which weren't great. The, the, the thing that sticks out to me, I mean, you speak about the Utah game, Adam against Gobert, and I do remember that, but I'll remember that game. He got pulled and he was one assist away from a triple-double and he was he was whinging and, and bitching on the sidelines and I, I hated that. I hate when players chase. Lance Stevenson did it once. He's like my favourite player of all time, nearly. I, I annoys the hell out of me. Um when people stat pad and look for stats, definitely in this day and age in NBA, you know, anyone can get a triple double. Shouldn't be out there playing for stats on a bad team. Essentially. That's what the paces were. So um, yeah, very interesting. I love the interview. Um, I kind of believe everything J. Michael says. I think he's got really good Intel within the team and his sources and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think a big part of the issue this year was Sabonis and um be interesting to see, you know, we talk about Tabonis and who's going to go. Does KP maybe side a bit with keeping Turner now that, you know, Sabonis was a bit big problem this year? Yeah, I'm interested in your thoughts, Alex. I mean, we've we've been flip-flopping on the Turner-Sabonis, you know, trade rumour and who are we going to keep, who are we not going to keep for um, for quite a while. Does the Sabonis reporting and, and the way that it seems that he behaved this season give you pause in terms of, you know, can we potentially be seeing the last of Domar Sabonis in Indiana rather than Miles Turner? No, I look the, the way I see it, the Pacers are not going to trade a two-time All-Star unless he wants out, right? They trade Paul George because he wanted out. They trade Oladipo because he wanted out. They're not going to trade Sabonis unless he actually gives them a reason to. Um, but just on that Jay Michael interview, I do want to say this is the quote that stood out to me was did not play for each other at all. Guys decided to get mine, the biggest culprit by far, Sabonis, right? And I want to talk about the Karis LeVert quote. Remember this. This was like LeVert after playing five games with us, by the way, which is worth noting. He said that, you know, it, no one was happy for each other. Remember that? No one mm. was cheering for each yep. other. We talked about it. And that's the type of stuff that, that kills a locker room. We talk about, I've seen a lot of uh, trash on Brogdon this, this past few months. People saying he's a coach killer, all this stuff. If, you, if we're going to point fingers, you have to talk about the fact that, that that is toxic behavior and, you know, uh, being a, a selfish player is a big part of, of something that can alienate the group of players that you, you're playing with. So, yeah, look, it, it's not, not a good look for Sabonis. And it, it's a real difference. I mean, the thing that I can't understand is how was Bjorkren, you know, able to treat his assistant coaches with such a lack of respect and yet let Domas Sabonis get away with that sort of stuff. There's a real double standard there. And I mean, that's a really toxic thing to, to be going forward with the franchise. I mean, treating the star players like they are the most important people in the room and that, you know, there's no equality or no equity within the franchise. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing reports about Luka Doncic, Justin, have similar, I guess, experiences in Dallas and, and being able to sort of call his own shots and, choose his own coach and kind of discuss what he wants for the franchise and run the franchise behind closed doors. I mean, he's Luka Doncic. He's, you know, one of the five best players in the league. Domas Sabonis is not that. So uh, I think KP's clearly seen the fact that 
Uh, we, you can't have a player who is an all-star, but he's not one of the very best players in the league running your franchise or being allowed to do whatever he wants whenever he wants. Agree. And yeah, I was going to say the same as you. He's not Luka Doncic and he wasn't a leader. That's what KP said. We need a leader. We need a leader. We need a leader. Like if, if Sabonis was pulling everyone in line and saying, you know, this isn't good enough, you work under me, then you give some Doma some respect and go, well, he's pulling his players in line. Maybe he's the locker room leader. People listen to him and he's kind of doing that vocal leader over the coach, but he's not. I think he's just happy to get his. Um, I remember Amari Stoudemire saying years ago that um, when he played for the Knicks with Melo that sometimes New York would lose and Melo would be happy if he just scored 25. Like he just wanted his 25. He's happy. Um, and he got into Melo about that and said, man, you need to change your outlook. Why are you mad when you score 15 and we win, but you're happy when you score 30 and we lose? Um, yeah. He pulled him into line. And that's what I kind of feel about Sabonis a bit is, you know, he's getting these 35 point, 15 rebound, 12 assist, triple doubles in a loss. Man, he's probably driving home happy. Like, yeah. It can't happen. He needs to be pulled into line. Stats mean nothing these days. And, yeah, like we said, it's not a franchise play. If it is a Luca or a LeBron or Giannis, yeah, look, probably in this day and age, the NBA, they run the team. They get what GM, what coach, what whoever they want. But, um, yeah, i tell you what, we don't have that player on the roster. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, last thing, Alex, the other um, the other really interesting point that J. Michael brought up in that, that interview with Setting the Pace is um, – around TJ Warren and the fact that we may be looking at TJ Warren signing an extension prior to next season. Uh, we may be looking at the the team locking him away early. I mean, I'm interested in what you think TJ Warren's current worth is uh, with an extension like that. It's clear that the franchise want to commit long-term money to TJ Warren. It's clear that they think that he is in need of a pay rise. I mean, we've seen the last deals that we've seen signed Brogdon, 21 million. Uh, Turner, an average of about 17.518. Domas, an average of about 18.519. Do you see TJ Warren exceeding those three players, i.e. getting more than $21 million a year? If you asked me the same question 12 months ago or, or maybe like eight months ago, sorry, I would have said yes. But now, given that he's had another year with, with uh, such a tough injury, I say no. I think I think that actually cost him quite a lot of money because obviously he was coming off a career year after that bubble, um, and I, I could have easily seen him getting twenty mil a year. But yeah, look, we you know we I remember us talking about this with JJ, and the Pacers are really good at, at valuing their players and giving them the good deals. So oh, it, it's hard for me to get an exact number, but probably like seventeen around that Sabonis and Turner money, maybe. I don't know about you guys. I actually, I actually disagree with that. I think he's going to be the highest paid player on this roster when he when he signs his extension. I think they're going to, even if it's only a million dollars, I think they're going to pay him at least a million more than Brogdon. They're going to start him. Can at, even can they afford know. to do that though? Well, with the extension, sense. with the extension, I mean, currently he's on twelve. I'd say that these he's probably in line for four years between eighty five and ninety million dollars. I think that's probably around about what he will end up getting, and I think if he hits the open market, he's going to get more than 100 because if he plays next season, he's going to put up buckets. He's going to get buckets. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to, you know, potentially lead the team in scoring. He's going to hit the open market as a free agent, wanting a payday and deserving a payday. So I think right now you lock him in for 20 to $22 million a year over four years, if he can. Uh, And I think that's a worthwhile investment. Justin, I'm keen to hear what you think too. 
Well, I mean, did you did we hear the KP end of season um, exit interview? I think you know what was Michael Jordan paid because I think he values, <laughs> he values TJ Warren about the same as Michael Jordan. I think we nearly could have won in the championship if TJ Warren played this year. But uh, yeah, look, um, oh geez, I love Warren, I love him, but I don't think he should be our highest paid player. I think that sets a tough precedent, like getting paid more than Sabonis Brogdon when he hasn't been an All Star. Um, I think being, a, I'll say this real quickly, but the only thing exciting me about being a Pacer fan right now is the Warren and Karis LeVert duo. Um, so keep that intact. And I think, you know, I can watch and sit through games. So fingers crossed they, those two stick together. Fingers crossed indeed. This has been the Pacer guys. We'll speak to you again next week. Thanks. Thanks.